You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Well, we've waited seven months for international rugby to return for the Welsh side and safe to say it was a bit of a disappointment. And uh, during the course of the next hour or so, myself and Dan Killick will be getting to grips with that. And we have on this occasion handed the show over to you, the listeners, and we've got a load of listeners' questions that we're going to get stuck into and uh, we'll be doing that very, very shortly. We'll also have a look at some of the regions as well well I say some of the regions because Cardiff Blues haven't played yet so uh, yeah we'll be having a look at the uh, various results for the Welsh regions and all of that is to come on this episode uh, before we get underway though a quick thanks as always to our sponsors at So Coffee uh, if you want to get your hands on some great coffee you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk right good evening Daniel how are you very good Jed. Yeah, not too bad, despite a disappointing weekend for Wales. Yeah, uh, before we get into the listeners' questions, let's have your top-line 60-second assessment of uh, Wales' defeat to France. thought we were very poor, comprehensively beaten in the, in the collisions. Couldn't, you know, couldn't get uh, on the front foot at all, so it was a, a tough day at the office after the, you know, the initial 10 minutes, which looked, which looked pretty good, where... Funny enough, we did actually have some 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 front football and go forward, and we started. You know, we won some collisions there. After that, we just weren't at the races at all. Set piece poor. Um, I think we didn't help ourselves with, uh, you know, making two the changes subs the subs we made. I thought were made too late. Bigger was on the pitch far too long, and uh, the ref as well. I thought Carl Dixon had a shocker. 
That's a really interesting point, actually, because, yeah, I mean, I didn't, um, I was fairly active on Twitter yesterday after a few uh, a few beers and a few glasses of wine and a frustrating Wales performance. And I didn't mention anything about the ref, but yeah, I thought he was very poor, actually. And, and this is no excuse because Wales were by far the second best side in, throughout the game. But that first try, the fullback Boutier was in from the side after the break. And, you know, he was there sealing the ball off straight away. And, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. There were some very, very strange decisions, you know, not going to the TMO for the for the foul play on Alan Wynne-Jones, you know, potentially could have had a big impact on the game. But as I say, no excuses because there were just far too many mistakes from Wales. Defence was yeah, too they, weak and we didn't win the collisions. Yeah, that's right. We were we were second best, well and truly. But I thought that he, his, you know, Carl Dixon's performance made, you know, it, it, we, we could have had a far a far better contest, I think, because the, the breakdown was so, uh, was so scrappy, um, so slow. The ball was, there was constant hands in there. A couple of yellow cards should have come out early doors, which would have sorted that out. And I, you know, who knows what, maybe there, there would have been momentum shifts there, but they just made a real mess of that breakdown and they weren't, they weren't penalized for it. So they kept on doing it all day. And, I just it it was disappointed to see because it it was blatant. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned substitutions there, and that's going to kick us off with our first question in from the listeners, and it's a good friend of the show, Craig Muncie. Obviously, been on there a number of times in relation to Welsh substitutions, in particular, Patchell given six minutes when Bigger was injured. Is this a lack of trust in the player or a lack of trust in his fitness? If it's the latter, why was he on the bench? I would say on that one that it's more than likely to be um, uh, his fitness that they were they would have been worried about. And obviously, bigger is he never wants to come off, does he? And I think he's. I wonder whether part of it is that he he's such a such a competitor, such a winner that he would he'd be such a nuisance, wouldn't he? With uh, in their ears afterwards, with why was I take you know why was I taken off? But I think it, it basically boils down to the the fact that that Patchell probably um, quite possibly wouldn't have made it through made it through the game because of his fitness but then it does you do ask them why is he you know why is he on the bench because you can get injured at any point can't you he was clearly not right he was clearly not right at all and uh, creatively we were we were lacking I just thought it was crying out for for him to come on far earlier yeah some really interesting points within there firstly if Patchell isn't fit to play to play that amount of time, then he should not be on the bench. You know, particularly in a friendly match, you need someone on the bench who is going to be able to, who's going to be able to come on. And to be honest, whether it's a friendly or not, if that game had been next week in the Six Nations or had been a, a World Cup semi-final, if, you know, if someone pings their, someone could ping their hamstring after two minutes and you've got to come on and play, you have to have players on the bench who are fully fit. And if, you know, if, if Patchell is fit enough to play 30, 40 minutes of rugby, then, if Bigger is injured, he has to come off. There is, you know, there's absolutely no excuse for it. So one of, you know, either way, I think it's concerning. Because like you say, if it's because he's too scared to bring Bigger off because he's going to be giving him an earful, which I don't, I, I can't believe that that is the case. Uh, it's, you know, either way that both of those situations are pretty worrying. Yeah, they are. I mean, I can't, I can't. I don't think that would be the issue at all. But you can imagine Bigger being just a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare coming off because he, 
he has to be dragged off the off the park. But it's he, whether or not you know who knows how how badly his injury was. It, Pivak has, has sort of commented, isn't he, thinking that he'll, he'll he'll be he'll be just fine. But he he wasn't at the races. He wasn't having a having a fantastic game. We needed, uh, you know, against the French, you always need a ten on song, don't you? And they were, you know, with Dupont. Just well, to be fair to him, he has a he, he tends to have a cracking game every game, doesn't he? That he that he mm-hmm. takes the field, but he was running the show. You, we needed, we needed our ten to be right on form, especially when the pack were under such immense pressure and we were losing losing the contest there uh, ev- almost every single time. I just thought it was crying out for, for Patchell to come on and just try and try and break the game up and do something a little bit different. See how the see if we can get the outside backs into the game. I mean, George North, you know, he didn't touch the ball, did he, until the fifty fifth minute when he did touch the ball? Well, he, he, looked... did, he did. He knocked the ball on in the first half and then and then turned uh, then turned the player over. Yeah, sorry, that one. Uh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> I think George probably wanted to forget about that one as well. Let's yeah. let's take a quick diversion to that. And this isn't this isn't a question from a listener, but it's one from me. Is George North becoming the Alex Cuthbert of uh, of twenty twenty? You see, he seems to not that for a lot of stick from fans. Yeah, I just think he hasn't been on form for for you know many years, really, has he? But he's been he's been given um, you know opportunity after opportunity because we know what he can do. But also, he has tended to when he has played uh, not not had the finest of games. He has then pulled something out of the bag, hasn't he? Whether it be an intercept or. You know, scored scored two tries by busting, you know, busting through, not not being sort of majestic tries, but crucial tries. So he has been there or thereabouts, um, you know, for a while. I just think that he's not he's not quite he's not quite on form. But he didn't have he didn't have a disastrous game. We just didn't get him into the game enough. And I think that that's a that's a big part with George North. How many times have we said on this pod that he's got to get early touches? For him to be, for him to have an impact on the game, and that was a perfect game where we need to we needed to be bringing him down um, end to max channel, really yeah. sucking him in because if he if he hasn't he was given an armchair ride and he's such a such a talent that if he can play with his head up and he knows there's no there's no there's no threat from anywhere he'll just he'll just run rings around uh, around most back lines but he can he can have off days if you put him under pressure. You know he can be a little bit non-existent at times, but we just we didn't we didn't target him in any in any which way. No, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with pretty much all of that. It's uh, yeah, George hasn't looked the same player. I don't think since that extended period that he had off uh, with the with the concussions, and I'm not entirely sure what it is. I'm hoping now it's just a question of form rather than fitness. But you know, if that is the case, then as we said with the you know, the, the Cuthbert stuff back in the day when we first started doing this pod, Dan, international rugby is no place to be trying to regain your form. And particularly when there are informed wingers in Wales playing well. And obviously, you know, you've got Louis Rissamet who's on the bench and has picked up uh, the, the award for young player of the year in the English premiership. He's running tries for fun there. You know, it, there is competition for, for positions there now. So, I don't know. It's it felt like an an odd decision actually to to start George in that game. I think, and uh, you know, but like like I've said, 
he's being signaled out for a lot. I actually thought Josh Adams had a worse game than George. And that's really rare for that to happen because Josh is one of the, the most informed wingers in world rugby. And I think he's absolute class, but he didn't have a particularly good game. I don't think there were some uncharacteristic errors in there from him. And he looked vulnerable under the high ball, which he never normally does. So it's uh, yeah, it was a, a bit of a night to forget for the, for the Welsh wingers, I think, but yeah, I was just keen to get your take on that. Let's move on to this one from rugby 24 seven. How concerning is Wales' defence? Is Byron Hayward up to the job of replacing Sean Edwards? I mean, it is concerning, isn't it? Because the defence has been poor in pretty much all the games that we've that we've taken to the field with a new coaching setup. It's it's a concern, but I think we just got to give we just got to give the coaching setup time, haven't we? You know, the, the previous regime were in for for so long, weren't they? That we were always going to be entering a, a period of period of flux, I think. But we just got to just give them some time, see how it see how it goes. But at the moment, it is it's hard to see what systems we're employing, isn't it? I mean, again against France, we you know we had we had players you know players shooting up on a sort of spot you know spot blitz. Others were caught, you know, forwards in on the inside where you can't run, you know, you can't really run a spot blitz if, you, if you've if you got prop forwards on mm-hmm. your inside because you, you, you're liable to, you're liable to be exposed and they're going to, they're going to run through. And that's what happened, isn't it, with Entomac? I It's just, there seems to be um, a bit of a breakdown in the systems, the systems we seem to be trying to employ. But again, that's probably going to happen, isn't it? Um with a new regime, but the the where the critic, I think it's hard to ignore that if you if you can see a system that's that's being used but it's not quite coming off, then that's sort of easier to swallow, isn't it? But at the moment you can't it's difficult to work out what's going on. Yeah, you're the, right. The the defense was the thing that was the biggest concern for me. I know we we didn't we didn't fire at the breakdown and particularly securing our own ball. We didn't have enough, didn't have enough go forward there. We weren't clearing out rucks effectively enough, but I've seen that happen before. You know, I've seen us get overpowered by Ireland, by France, by England, particularly away from home. That even happened under Gats. But the way that France just sliced us open in defence, I think was the really, the really poor and disappointing thing because we'd actually managed to, to get points on the board the amount of penalties France gave away, the, the penalty count was massively uh, skewed towards France giving away more. So we were scoring points. And if you could have just kept the defence tight or even adequate, then you'd have gone in at half time in front. And it's a completely different game then. So, uh, yeah, the, the defence was really, really disappointing. And it has been. That's That's been the most concerning trait under Pivac for me. I think that... You know, it will take time to try and play the the kind of rugby that he wants to play. And we've seen glimpses of that. Obviously, that try at Twickenham from Tipperick and, you know, some of the stuff against Italy. There were even a few glimpses of it last night. But the defence is the one thing for me that you, you cannot expect to win international games of rugby conceding five tries. And you're going to concede tries against anyone if you've got if you've got a defence that, that that's that porous. So... Yeah, that, that is a big concern for me. With regards to Byron Haywood as an individual, it's so hard to gauge, you know, as to... Obviously, when your defence isn't firing, the temptation is to fire, is to, to fire the bullets in the, in the direction of the, 
of the defence coach themselves. It's hard to know without being in there, but you know, certainly question marks are out pretty early on for for this entire coaching setup, really. And yeah, you know, if it's if it's not working, then Pivac's got to have a look at it and say how we're going to fix this. And and these are big, big questions that are going to need answering over the next uh, over the next few weeks. Yeah, they are. I just think we need to give the guys the guys some time, don't we? I mean, the biggest concern for me is the the way in which we don't seem to be sort of really up and fired up for the games in terms mm-hmm. of the collisions. We, we we're getting knocked back uh, like time and time again. The only the only player that the only player that seemed to make some ground was, which is interesting, was you know James Davis when he came on made some some nice sort of angled runs, like direct carries, which is, you know, it's James Davis carrying. So I thought, hang on, if he's making some carries, he only made a couple, but it just showed that, you know, what, what could be done if we pick, if we, if we sort of picked our heads up a little bit and actually, you know, picked off some, some decent shoulders, they, France weren't that good. You know, it's easy to think that France were, you know, played this majestic game. They didn't, they let us, you know, as you alluded to, they they gave away so many soft penalties, um, and they did they did silly things time and time again. But they scored some some um, individual you know sort of great tries, and they were very very aggressive, very very aggressive. Spoiled everything, and it's it's amazing how far you can get, isn't it? When you have really really good um, uh, sort of you know like. You want you want to win every single hit. You make a nuisance of the breakdowns. I thought they were in in you know in our faces all game, trying to spoil, and but it was nothing. It, it, it was nothing great, but it 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 was. I found myself at one point thinking, oh, the France were brilliant tonight, and then you think, hang on, they they weren't actually they were they weren't great. We were just we were just that poor. Yeah, and no, I think you're absolutely right. The interesting thing that you've that you've touched on there is it's going to take time now it's really hard to say because everyone gets frustrated and beyond frustrated you get angry when you see Wales get beaten as as straightforward you know as comprehensively as that and also I think the other problem is that you know because we've not had we've not had much to cheer about this this season there's not been much you know there's Really, all the big games we've we've been fairly comfortably beaten. I know the score lines don't necessarily suggest that, but we were beaten comfortably by Ireland. France was close in the Six Nations, but really they were the better side. England beat us comprehensively, even if the score line only had three points in it. And so it is very, very easy to, to want to lash out, but you do need a bit of time. So I want to just build on that with this question from Robert Giannotti. Whilst I was most disappointed in the defensive effort, how much should we take yesterday's result with a pinch of salt? If they learn lessons from this game and get a result against Scotland, can we put the game down as a learning experience? Yeah, totally. It was. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a friendly, isn't it? So it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't matter at all if we go out next week and win. Then it's it's all all, all is forgotten. But it's still an international game, isn't it? And you want to you want to build. You want to see. You know, we want to see the the best side of the players, and that 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 didn't that didn't happen. So it's it's disappointing, isn't it? Because we're going to be going into next week in well, pretty worried, really, aren't we? Against uh, against a Scotland side that played very well on the weekend. So yeah, it's it's it doesn't it you know it will be forgotten if we get the win. But I I think 
we, we're still frustrated, aren't we? I'm not sure it will be forgotten, actually, Dan, because the, the difficulty here is that it's come off the back of a long, you know, a very long losing run. And you said when we were picking the team last week, <laughs> hilarious to see my team uh, versus what was actually picked, by the way. But the yeah, when you were picking the sides last week, you said that you need to build momentum and he needs to get wins. And do you know what? A win against Scotland, actually, first and foremost, I think he's going to be a very tricky game. But secondly, it's not a it's not like a, a win over England or a win to get to sneak a triple crown or something like that, or a win over Australia or South Africa. It's it's a win over a side that we've not lost at home to since 2002, I think. So it's a, it's a very, very difficult one to say that that this win, uh, sorry, that this defeat will be forgotten because I think it's just increased that pressure even more so on Wayne Pivak. So, yeah, we've also got, we we picked a strong squad, didn't we? I mean... They were basically until, two first teams, I think, playing um, playing against each yeah. other yesterday. So so both sides, both sides really wanted a win. I mean, they only had, they only had one or one and a half training sessions together, didn't they? Because mm. it came out late that they're, you know, the top 14 clubs didn't want to release the players. Um so they didn't have any any real time to to gel or get together yet, and and, and for me that kind of that kind of showed in their performance. It was it was fairly all over the it was fairly all over the shop, bar you know bar some brilliance, um, but it just goes to show how how poor we were. But again, then yeah, it's I don't know. I I, I think look if we win if we win next week, and the the. But I think that and the performance is there as well. Then, for me, we will forget about the France game. But mm. if we don't, good grief, you know, it's then it's then the pressure is really on. But it's on, you know, as you said, it is on from now, isn't it? As well, it really is. They'll be feeling it. Yeah, and there's a long autumn ahead, but it, it doesn't have pile the pressure on. I, I'm really intrigued to see this autumn Nations Cup thing and how seriously people take it. I know as fans will take it seriously, but. You know, I'm sure the players will, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. You know, if you lose, if if you know, if you lose your first game and or your second game, and you know you're not going to get out of the groups, and then you've got Georgia or whatever. I don't know. It's it's, it's going to be tricky to to gauge how intense this tournament is actually going to be. So it's a it's a very strange autumn that lies ahead because you know normally again this this would all be forgotten if you could beat a South Africa or an Australia and and stuff like that. Whereas yeah, okay. If you beat England or Ireland, it, it might it might be the case, but it is a tournament. It is a tournament setup, so you know you need to kind of go out there and win. Do you see what I mean? Like rather than it being one off yeah, test matches, yeah. it's going to be different. Yeah. It being in a tournament, so and I, I think it would be different as well if we had if we had a couple of wins in in these games as well. But ev- you know we've lost every game, haven't we? Every every single one. So. Well, yeah, we did beat Italy, but well, last four, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah last, exactly yeah. the last, yeah, yeah. last four. Exactly. Sorry, we've 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 lost. So, yeah, it's um, it's not good so far. No, it's not. I think you're uh, understating that a little bit, but yeah, yeah, you're quite right. It's not good. Let's take this one from Gary Mason. Wales lost the tackle area and aerial battle. Need more aggression hitting rucks. Can Wainwright do that? Navidi returning can't come quick enough. Uh, what's your take? Oh, oh yeah, and smarter kicking game needed. So for, a few things in there, Dan. Firstly, with regards to the uh, yeah to the tackle area, do you think Wainwright is up to doing that clearing out job? Yeah, I do think he's up to it. He just didn't have he didn't have a a, a great game yesterday. Um, along with 
pretty much the pack, to be fair, really. Bar, you know, Bar Tipperick and, you know, Alan Wynn went, you know, gave, you know, gave his all. But we, yeah, he, he can. We know he can. We know he can do that. He just didn't do it. He just didn't do it yesterday. I've said it loads of times. We're not the same. We're not the same team without, um, without Navidi. Really He's absolutely critical, isn't he? Whether he plays six, seven, or eight, we just need him in the back in 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 the back three somewhere, in the back row. Um, and you know, we missed him. We missed him massively, didn't we? Um, yesterday again, I think. I, I think that that back row can play can play together. I know there's been a lot of comments about you know that it didn't it didn't the, it didn't gel. No, it didn't mm. yesterday. But I think that back row is good enough to play, you know, to play together. It was just a bad day at the races all, 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 all round. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, and I think that, that that tackle area was definitely another big cause for concern. We just weren't able to. We weren't able to secure our own ball. We weren't able to cause enough disruption there. And we'll come on. And it was talk disappointing how we didn't react, Jed. Either mm. we didn't react to. You know, they had the. They were they were off their feet. So I thought. I don't know whether you you you. You sort of thought this was right, but they were they weren't supporting their body weight. You know, they were going over the top of the ball. So it was very, very difficult to move them. I thought um the ref didn't pick them up on that. Plus the hands were in there from from left and right regularly. It it looked as if we we got sort of frustrated, but we didn't do anything, we didn't do anything about it. We didn't we didn't start smashing them in you know, two or three players coming in together and just adjusting to what was going on. Like, mm. you know. There, there didn't seem to be a great amount of leadership coming together and saying, right, ref's not picking it up. Either we're going to have to start doing it or we're going to have to change, you know, change the breakdown, actually go in aggressively um, as, as in pods, as units. But it didn't, I, I don't know, we just seemed really passive, passive to the, to the fact that it was going on and passive in the, in the way in which we were hitting them. It, who's, it was all... who's responsible for that lack of reaction? Is that an on-field players thing or should that be coming from the stands? Where yeah, is, I think part of that has to lie with part of that has to lie with the players, surely. You know that are on on the pitch. I mean, they're they're seeing what's going on, so you 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 would have thought that you you'd have to react to it. I know, you know, it's not as easy as it's being done. So you you can do something about it. Is it's very very difficult if someone's over over the ball like that and basically just just killing the ball. It's very very difficult, but. I, I just didn't think that we we sort of adjusted our game even to try and counter that. Or, for instance, if we, you know, maybe that leads quite nicely onto the, the kicking game. Our, our, our kicking game was, was well, I mean, poor doesn't, isn't a strong enough word, is it? It was, it was atrocious. I think I need to watch this game back again because actually a few people have said this to me. And, and look, I don't think it was brilliant, but I also thought that on some of those occasions the kind of I, when we were talking about a kicking game the bit that sticks in my mind was kind of going back to a bit of the Dan Bigger hoofing the ball up and chasing his own kick and I thought on occasions that did cause a bit of trouble we just weren't quick enough to react to to react to where the ball was going and I, I also thought that actually Reese Webb kicked really well from the base of the from the base of the ruck. I thought that was one of the few positives in there. Um, yeah, he did kick well from the base. Yeah, but but yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe this is me needing to go back and watch the game again because uh, it, they, yeah, it did. Like, it definitely wasn't pretty in any in any regard. But uh, I I almost felt like there was bigger there was bigger problems 
than that, you know, much, much bigger problems than that. But I don't know, it's it's one of those because it feels like it goes against the way that Pivac wants to play this kind of expansive game to be putting boot to ball and trying to, to gain in that regard. But again, this is international rugby versus club rugby. What are the you know, one of those one of those big differences are that you're going to need field position. You are going to need to put put pressure on and force mistakes. And we were forcing mistakes. It's just we we didn't we didn't capitalise on them really. But yeah, I mean, you know, you you've probably watched it more closely than I have, and uh, and it's something that we're going to have to get right against Scotland because they have a they have a very very dangerous uh, set of backs, especially in the back three. Yeah, we've seen we have seen this before, though, haven't we? With with uh with certain games where we're not quite we're not quite up for it and uh, you know we see the intensity and the collisions go right up a, uh, you know up a level the following week and that's it's amazing that how if we pick exactly the same side but they're every single one to a man is is smashing everyone and wanting to win every single contest totally different game totally different yeah. game uh, for, for, from that point so yeah so yeah exactly what a, what a perfect point for us to take a very quick break after which of course we'll be getting stuck in to more reaction from Wales's defeat to France we'll be looking ahead to the Scotland game we'll be keen to get your take on uh, what changes you would make Dan if any and also we'll be having a look at the region so all of that will be coming up after this very quick break get straight back into these listeners questions Dan and uh, I want to talk about the back row now and again this is uh, a really interesting one it's another one from Robert Giannotti uh, a contentious one given how highly that everyone rates Justin Tipperick is he the right player to play seven under Pivac no doubting his talent in open play uh, but do we need more of a fetcher in the back row such as a you know a Warburton Ellis Jenkins Cubby Josh McLeod and he also adds that Navidi was missed massively yesterday. Thoughts on Tipperick at seven? Yeah, I think he is the man for us um, at seven. I think with the way in which Pivak plays as well, you could say maybe even more so that he is—he's he, the guy that um, that works in that position. There's nothing. There's nothing he can't do, in my opinion. You know how highly I I rate him. I just think that we, you know, we missed. We miss Navidi. He works so well with with Navidi, doesn't he? Because Navidi can do a load of the, mm. uh, you know, a load of. Uh, I suppose you can't call it the hard work, but the stuff that that, that Tipperick, you know, is happy to leave him to do. And I suppose, you know, we probably missed. Well, McC- I mean, McLeod has been has been the turnover king, hasn't he? Um, and so not having him, not having him available was was a big. You know, could have potentially been a big a big loss there. I just, but I just think the, the that that back row. I said it earlier. I do think they're they're good enough. They're definitely good enough to play together. They're all think- you know they're all international players. Toby is a world class player when he's at his best. Aaron Wainwright's proven that he's international class. Justin Tipperick is somewhere between international and world class. I think. And the the thing is, is does it work as a unit? That's the thing for me. And does it work with the kind of game that you're trying to play. Now, I think, again, if you look at where Pivac had success at the Scarlets, 
what he really did was made up for the the fact that perhaps the pack wasn't the biggest and most physical by having lots of players who were very good over the ball and then they were devastating on turnover ball. So, you know, whether it was having, you know, uh, James Davis and Tyke Byrne and Johnny Barkley all in that, you know, all in that back five, you had lots of turnover players and you had, you know, the likes of McLeod and Will Boyd doing that, those jobs in there too. So I do, I do feel like it's a bit light in terms of fetches in that pack at the moment. And yeah. I think, I think the pack, the, yeah, we, we could, you know, we can look at the front row there as well, can't we? But that's, but that's what I mean. But I think, you know, if, you, if you're going to have fetches anywhere, then surely the back row is the, the place to start. And I really rate Aaron Wainwright, as you know, but I think for this style of game that, that we're looking to play, I think Wainwright is better suited to a Gatlin style of play than perhaps uh, the, what Pivak's trying to do. So I'd be tempted to look at, you know, to look at twin fetches in the back row. And I do think you'd benefit from, you'd definitely benefit from having Davidi back in there. It's often said, it's often said that Tiprick isn't a, a fetcher, which I, I disagree with. I think he is a, he is a lot better over the ball than, than people give him credit for. But I would much rather have, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to have two fetches in the back row plus, you know, some options elsewhere. I thought the likes of Dylan Lewis and, and Seb Davis made a difference when they came on the bench. And actually, as you said, uh, as did James Davis. Yeah, I thought the bench made a difference. But do you know, you know, on the, on the we talk about the, the style of play that Pivak's trying to play. What, do you, what style of play are we trying to play? Well, it's a good it's a good question. I'm basing this on what the Scarlets used to play, and yeah. that there is a desire that when they appointed him, they knew that this is kind of his blueprint for the way he likes to play rugby. And so, I'm basing it on that. I haven't seen too much evidence of it in the you know the opening seven fixtures or whatever it's been. It's uh, you know there's been little glimpses. Obviously, as I said there, that try against uh, against England was you know fantastic offloading play and being able to to kind of carve a Carver defence open straight from the kickoff. But uh, for me, I, I think Pivac's style of play is to try and win turnover ball and and look to play an offloading game. But that was at odds with what I saw yesterday and have generally seen throughout his time as as Wales coach. Yeah, the prob the problem with that that style, isn't it, is that it's so high risk that you can win you you can win you can win games and they can look fantastic, but equally it's so, it's so risky. It's so hard to, to coach at international as well, isn't it? That, you know, Gatland, Gatland, Sean Edwards, you know, all the old coaching regime made everything very, very simple, didn't they? Mm. It wasn't always popular in terms of the selection choices, but everybody knew their role. And it was, we were, we were sort of, we were really, really difficult side to, to beat, weren't we? And get the better off. Almost, yeah, we, we almost to every game. And I would say as well, even the games, you know, where we we, we didn't really get hammered by anyone. You know, you think back to the noughties no, we didn't. and the, yeah, you know, even even back to, you know, some of uh, some of Mike Ruddock's time in charge. You know, we we got hammered by some sides in, in, in that period. You know, England give us an absolute shoo-in at Twickenham under him. And, uh, you know, there, there was a period of time that you and I, when you and I were growing up, Dan, when we got hammered by everyone. Yeah, and, we did. Yeah, for years. Yes, and you know, under Gatland, we didn't get hammered by anyone really. Like even New Zealand, yeah, on the odd occasion they'd run away with it, but most of the time we would be competitive in those fixtures. But uh, yeah, it's and I'm not saying we're getting hammered now, but we've been beaten very, very comfortably in a lot of these games. You know, I think that as I said in the first half, you look at those Six Nations games. Really, in the big ones, we've been 
far too easy to beat. And the, th- the thing it keeps coming back to is, is actually the, the main problems we highlight in the first half. The breakdown uh, in, in terms of both securing your own ball and slowing down opposition's ball, but also just generally the defence. You know, you're not going to win many turnovers if you're, if you're constantly allowing people through uh, through your first um you know your first line defense so it's yeah, uh, yeah. i just think we yeah yeah I, I yeah it's it's a funny one i i'm i'm finding myself not able to really work out what what style we we you know how we're trying to play because i know i know you know the way pivak played at, at the, the scarlets we're, mm. we're sort of expecting that but it, it seems to me like we're kind of caught at the moment between between sort of a couple of different styles. And I think largely that's probably down to the fact that we're not, you know, when we got to go back to basics, haven't we? And get the set piece, right. Get the collisions, right. Um, work on what actual systems we're going to be putting into these breakdowns. And then, you know, from there we should have a far greater platform. But I think in the games that have gone so far, we, we haven't, um, we haven't had we haven't had those bits, those basics bits sorted, have we? So then everything else becomes very, very difficult, very difficult, and it's it's kind of it's kind of perplexing, really, because you know Pivac's Pivac's big on that, isn't he? Yeah, I, yeah, I think you've you've touched on a number of things there. It is it is basics, you know. If you if you can't secure line out ball, which again we struggled with yesterday, uh, if you if you know if your scrum isn't going exactly the way you want it to. Um, you know, and obviously that was that was hit and miss at certain points. There was a little bit of Toby kind of picking the ball out from the hooker's feet uh, at points, which you know is a, is a sight we've seen a few times over the years. But I, you know, I think losing Samson Lee probably made a made a big difference in in that regard too. But it's there's there's so much to work on, but the pressure is only going to get is only going to mount and. Honestly, I do think next week is a proper banana skin. I was—I I don't know if you saw the Scotland game, but and I know it was—you know—I know it's only Georgia and inverted commas, but but they're they, still—they looked very, very comfortable. They were able to rest, you know, their their big stars. In, yeah, you know, in obviously Hog was unavailable, and they brought Finn Russell off the bench. But they've got two absolute wild dogs of flankers in Richie and. Um, What's his name? Hamish Watson. Yeah, they're going to be a complete nuisance all game, aren't they? Now, you've got to, the things that we got wrong in in many of these games, particularly clearing out, you have got to get to those two because if you give them a sniff at the breakdown, they will cause you no end of trouble. So, you know, like you say, you want to see players smashing into those rucks and if they have to smash in in twos and threes, then then they're going to have to do that because they, they're going to cause trouble. They're two really, really dogged, nasty flankers and uh yeah I, I i do think scotland are, are getting better they're notoriously bad from home but if you're gonna if you're gonna improve that record there's probably no better time than when the stadiums are empty would you start james davis no i don't think i would um like i said i thought i was impressed actually with how he with how he got on but i, I was just wondering whether you might put two uh two um two sevens on the park yeah it's i mean it's it is tempting and you know i i I think in the long run we're going to want two fetches and i mean i don't know what the latest on the vd is um if he's if he's not going to be available but i believe he's not 
Right, okay. In which case, yeah, it leaves you with what Davis as the other option. Presumably Moriarty's knock is going to rule him out. At least he's certainly yeah. Fletcher. I think he's still out. And then Shane Lewis Hughes. And then Shane Lewis Hughes. Now, I think Shane Lewis Hughes does offer you that bulk. And not that Wainwright's a small guy, but again, perhaps Shane Lewis Hughes gives you that bit more opportunity to to smoke a few people at ruck time. Um, I don't know, mate, do you know what? Actually, as you, as you highlight it there, would I be tempted? Yes. Would I go for it? I probably wouldn't. But I, I thought he did well off the bench. And if I'm honest, when he was called up into the squad, I kind of thought, you know, perhaps um, perhaps he'd maybe had his had his time at international level and he'd been a bit exposed. But uh, but yeah, I, um, I I was impressed with how he came on off the bench and, and made a made a positive impact. But that can often that can often be the case. That's yeah, it's it. a big 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 call. But I'm 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 going with him in the back row. I'm keen to get your uh, your thoughts on uh, on the side for next week. Let's let's have a look at it, Dan. Would you make let's let's just go through the whole squad then, shall we? Would you make any uh, any changes in the front row? Yeah, so I thought Nicky Smith played well mm-hmm. when he came on. I thought he made an impact. So is Carrie a starter? Not an impact player. Not on that performance, but it's it's dirty days for him, isn't it? It was great to see him get you know get a lot of game time. And again, it is a friendly, isn't it? Mm. As, well, <laughs> it is a friendly, but we want to win. So <laughs> how friendly can it be? But I thought that Nicky Nicky Smith um, played played well when he came on, and he's been in really good form, isn't he, for the Ospreys? So I would start. I would start him, and this mm-hmm. is. There's another reason why I'd start him is because I'd start Sam Parry. Mm. Um, I thought he, he coughed up the ball once, maybe twice, but he looked. He looked physical. He looked really up for it, and I thought things sort of shored up a little bit with him there. Um, so I'd start him. I thought Elias. Uh, he he was he gave his all in terms of effort. But you know, line out was line out was pretty poor, wasn't he? Coughed up a lot of ball. It just, yeah. it, it, it I, I think it just didn't work. It's always, uh, it's always difficult the line outs because you know it's a, it's a very difficult thing to just blame the hooker. Oh, sorry, it's an easy thing just to blame the hooker. It's difficult to actually prove that. But I did feel like, so, you know, sometimes apart uh, from that bent throw. Which, well, yeah, that was that was a stinker. But, but you know, I. You know, sometimes you can just see when a hooker's throwing in that there's a touch of nerves there. Um, there's a little, you know, there's a few twitches that that aren't ordinarily there. And I did, I did feel like he was he was feeling the pressure of wearing two on his back rather than sixteen. And you know, as I've said, I, as I've said before, I, I was I was puzzled why Elliot was left out in the uh, the squad in the first place. Um, but I could understand why you'd want to bring Sam Parry into the squad. So. Yeah, I, I'd I'd be quite happy going with Parry, adding some more. You know, particularly if we're talking about needing some, you know, some ball carriers. I know Elias is uh, is strong. At, uh, you know, they rate him very highly at the scrum. Uh, but yeah, I would go for I would go for for Parry, and I'd be quite happy seeing Smith alongside him as well. What's the yeah. latest on Samson Lee? Do we know, Dan? You seem to be uh, a, like you've got your you've got your ear to the ground when it comes to injuries. Uh, is he going to be available next week? Obviously, yeah, Lee. I'm not Lee. I'm not too sure on. Lee, I'm not too sure on actually, but it didn't look good, did it? No, Francis uh, is available again, and yeah, you've got uh, you've got Lewis and Brown in the squad as well. I, I, I'd I'd start Francis. Wow, all change in the front row then. Yeah, so I think Tom Francis, Sam Parry. That's that's a uh, that's looking quite tight, and then um, 
Nicky in there as well. So you've got the two Ospreys boys. Obviously, it's a new new front row, but they know each other. And I think Thomas Francis can can probably slot in with anybody, can't he? Yeah. I'd hope. Right. Uh, I think that's that's quite a nice uh, quite a nice front row. Also, one point on Elias as well. When he, he he made he made quite a few carries, didn't he? But he he got exposed a lot. I don't know whether that was it's probably not really his fault. But we were we were off. We were we were sort of quite off the pace in terms of the carrier that was taken into contact. But um, yeah, we've gone over that, haven't we? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I didn't think uh, I, I didn't think he had a good game. As, as I said, you know, I think he's a very I think he's a very good club player. And I do think he's a he's a good squad player. But in must win games, I don't know if he'd be the the hooker I'd be turning to necessarily. So yeah, I'd be I'd be quite happy to go with your front row actually, and then second row. Um, do you keep it the same with Corey Hill and Alan Jones? You know, potentially would you be tempted to bring in a uh, a Will Rowlands type figure. Specific yeah, it is Will Rowlands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> type figure. Yeah, love that. <laughs> um, yeah, it is tempting to make a change, but. You know, Corey Hill's quality didn't have a, a a great game, did he? And well, we all know about Alan Wynn. So yeah, I I I keep the same keep the same second row partnership, especially with an all change front row. <laughs> I've got to um, I've got to keep that that second row partnership in there. Right, I have I'd have Will Rowlands on the bench. Okay, back row then. Back row. So it's a. It's a big call, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with James Davis at six, mm. Tipperick at seven, and Falatau at eight. So because of their back row and the nuisance factor uh, in Hamish Watson, I just I just think I'll roll the dice on that and throw James Davis in there. And I think we haven't seen the best of him in a Welsh shirt yet. He's He's had a couple of knocks on the head, a few injuries, isn't he? And I just think that he played he played all right when he came on yesterday against Scotland. I put him in there. Interesting, yeah. No, I um, I don't know. I the temptation is, yeah, you're kind of fighting fire with fire, aren't you? And trying to trying to play Scotland's style of play there. And I know I said in the first half that I think that we need twin fetches. You know that that for me is the long term if you want to play the style of rugby that, that Pivak does. I don't know whether I'd be looking to do that necessarily next week. I'd be trying to negate them um, by adding a bit more physicality. So I'd probably go, but you know, it's big, big ask of Shane Lewis Hughes on a, on an international debut to come in and do that. But I think he's good enough. He's big enough. He's strong enough. So I'd, I'd be personally going for him at six, but, uh, but yeah, I completely get what you're you're thinking. I had a long think about him because he is, he's, you know, he's an out and out six, isn't he? He's a, mm. he's a proper six, but I, yeah, it's just because it's just because of what they, what, what they've got to offer. Um, and we've got so many back row players and we, we can, we can play around with the combo. So, but we'll see. We will. Right. What about in the backs then? And I, th- I feel like you've taken a good lead with the, uh, the forwards there, Dan, perhaps I should have a look at the backs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've taken a different role, haven't we? So I would be going for the same halfbacks. Uh, I, yeah, no, providing that. What do you think of Webb? Uh, I thought he was good, actually. I, you know, I thought he had a, you know, perhaps didn't, you know, some of that, some of that, like I said, some of those kicks from the base of the scrum, which, as you know, are not my favourite part of rugby. Uh, I thought that um, I thought he kicked really well. One in particular was an absolute monster. Um, yeah, yeah, the when he kicked to the halfway line. Yeah, I think I think he's well. I think he's Wales' best line. Uh, so. 
I would be yeah. I would be going with him. I think he's starting to get that form back. It's only a matter of time before you see one of those sniping runs or a breakaway try from 40 meters. So I'm going, I'm going with the same there. Okay. Yeah, I thought he I did think he kicked very, very well from the base, but I I did think he was quite he was sort of off song um throughout the game, but I didn't I sort of expected that to be honest. And I just think he needs more he needs more game time because yeah, he is he's a quality operator. But I just I hope I hope we see uh, we see it come through a little bit quicker now. And then yeah, I know a lot's been said about about bigger, but if he's fit, I'd I'd be going with the same. I, I don't think you can throw kind of Callum Sheedy into into the mix next week. I'd be going with bigger. Um I in the centre I'd go the same again. Um I don't really see too many other options that, that are going to make that big a difference. And I think particularly where you're struggling defensively, you're just going to need John Davis in there to, um, you know, to help solidify that, you know, defensively when he's, when he's at his best, he's the, you know, arguably the best defensive 13 in the world. And yeah, then, he had a pretty solid game as well, didn't he? Didn't yeah. nothing, nothing sort of, uh, you know, nothing fantastic, but he made some good reads, didn't he? And it was a good, you know, a decent sort of first game back really. He's getting, you know, he's getting back to, to full fitness as well after a very, very long time off. So I definitely yeah, go I thought he went quite well. And I think Tompkins is a box of tricks. Actually, I'm a big fan of his. He's still finding his feet at international level. I think he's a 12, very much a 12. And playing alongside, you know, playing alongside uh, John Fox is only gonna is only gonna help him at international level. So I would be going with the same centres. Uh, I thought half penny actually was was very very good in you know in what was a not a particularly spectacular side i thought he played very well you know even yeah, I think no turnover was good and so i'd be going with him josh adams had a, a poor game by his standards but keeps the shirt the only one i'd be tempted to have a look at is uh is lewis resamit on the wing but it, he looked know, good when he came on didn't he yeah but again this is not a witch hunt against george north i just think that uh i just think that i think he's ready for international rugby and he's the informed winger so so go with him. You know, I, I don't get this argument of, oh, we need to shield him or we need to be careful. No, you need to have your arm around your shoulder saying, lad, you know, you are the, you're the bee's knees. You, you're good enough to be here. You're here on merit. You don't score all them tries by, uh, by just standing out on the wing. Go out there, do what you do every week. Take the pressure off him. Take he literally can't do any more though, can he? He's playing at the very top of his game. So he should, yeah, he should start. I would have started him against France. I'd have started him against Scotland in uh, in February, but you know. Well, yeah, actually, very good point. Yeah, but there we go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, so that'd be the only change yep. I would make. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd. Um, I'd agree with I'd agree with that. Um, the other reason why I think having Louis Samit in there is because that he's got the, you know, he has played fifteen as well. I think that we're potentially going to be up against it with Scotland, you know, Finn Russell putting kicks over, uh, you know, left to right, little dinks over the top. We're going to have to, we're going to have to be really on our game, aren't we on the back three? Yeah, absolutely. And and you're right. Actually, he does have that experience of playing 15 and and he reads the game, you know, he reads the game. Well, now obviously this is totally different being international, but he's playing, he's playing in a top competition, is he in England? So yeah, I, I, I'd, uh, I like that that backline. I were you tempted to put because I had a I was thinking you know Liam. I'm not sure based on the Scarlet's performance how 
I don't think he's ready for international rugby yet, if I'm honest. I, and I, I certainly wouldn't be rushing Liam Williams back. He's someone you've got to look after. If everyone is fully fit and you're picking your best, your best 15, and I mean fully, fully match fit, then Liam walks into the side. And, he, and your best back three is half penny at fullback, Liam on one wing, Josh Adams on the other. I've no doubt about that. I'm not sure based on what I saw. And again, you know, the, the doctors and the, the medical staff will know a damn sight better than I will. But he didn't look fully match match fit ready for an international game for me. Um, so I wouldn't be going with him for this game. And we've probably, Wales have probably been guilty of they have played like, bringing players back in particularly Liam actually and where like, you can't rush yeah you know they're not they're not they're not quite ready and we're looking for them to get up to match fitness through playing four wheels mm. whereas you know we've we're actually blessed at the moment aren't we with wingers um yeah you know yeah, because it wasn't wasn't so long ago we were we were crying out for them were we so yeah Zamit he's got to be given he's got to be given a star hasn't he well, I think so. I think this, yeah, I think this is the one to uh, the one to go for it. So, yeah, no, interesting, interesting side. Um, you know, I think, yeah, like you say, it's I, the temptation is always to ring the changes as you've done actually in the pack. But um, I don't know. It's, it's more about performance because I think that really that side on paper that went out uh, yesterday or you know, on, on Saturday, whenever you're listening to this, that side should have been good enough to beat. France, actually, I think, and, yeah. and the scoreline suggests it. But we're just not putting together full performances, and we're not playing. We're not doing the basics well enough. And we've we've said all of these things: breakdown, line out, defence, kicking game. You know, that's not that's not down to personnel. That is down to that's down to execution and game plan and and getting things right in the lead up to it. So I'm I'm less worried about selection. I'm more worried about the overall kind of what is it that's fundamentally wrong. Yeah, I am as well. Yeah, if, the, if exactly the same same side takes the field, which you know, it's quite often happens, isn't it? I I can't see us putting in that that poor performance again. And the, the players are definitely good enough, so it's not there's no there's no panic stations here, is there? It's just I just would like to see a couple of couple of changes, but it's yeah, they we've just got to really really front up, haven't we? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Right, Dan, we've got twelve minute, eleven minutes left because you've got to be in bed by half eight as it's a school night and. Let's go for this one from Matt Armstrong. Uh, if we lose on Saturday, it will be our worst Six Nations performance since 2007. Uh, even if we accept that Pivak needs more time to implement ideas, uh, would, what would we need to see in the autumn uh, to avoid him getting worried about that uh, contract break? Interesting question there. Like we said before, the pressure is on. What do we need to get out of this, out of this autumn, particularly if we lose next week? I think we need to see us being competitive then if so if we lose we need to we need to be competitive in in the games moving forward that we're pl- that we're playing and for if we are playing a different game plan under pivac for it for it actually to be noticeable yeah that's what a big is thing for me. you know what is going on because from that game maybe maybe other people could see something i i, I wasn't seeing but it it you know it wasn't it wasn't the pivac game plan then Mm. Um, and we did see some of that, didn't we, in the in the pre in the in the previous games that uh, that he's been in charge of, but not there. So I think if you know, I think fans will be will be sort of you know aware that we have got to give time. But as long as we can see what we're building towards, but at the moment that you know from that performance on Friday, that that 
it 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 wasn't evident, wasn't it? it wasn't you, you couldn't clearly see it. It was very yeah. very foggy, very foggy. Yeah, and it's a you know it's it's a tough autumn schedule, but you know, like you say, I, I don't I'm not so sure that that a win next week makes everything go away. But a good autumn would certainly take a hell of a lot of pressure off. Now, a good autumn to me, you know, I think you've got to be beating. Obviously, you've got to beat Georgia. I think you've got to be beating England or Ireland, really, or potentially both of them to to really take some pressure off. If you're if you know if you're able to win this autumn cup thing, then you know, regardless regardless of what I think about it now, if we get to the final of it, then you know it still becomes a bit of silverware, and you've still beaten some good sides to get there. So. Um, the problem, yeah. the, the the problem with when when the when the real pressure comes on, as a coach, you're tempted to change the the, the system that you that you said at the very beginning you're going to be employing. Mm. So that's where you get caught out then because you try and change it to sort of win a game and it doesn't work. So I think we need you know we need to stick if if we need to stick to the game plan that we're trying to play and back the systems and 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 you know eventually it should it should come off if we make the relevant tweaks along the way yeah no but i think i think you're absolutely chopping right. in you know i'm, I'm just we, talking about from a perspective as what's gonna what's gonna stop uh stop the new um the new welsh rugby union ceo from getting a kind of itchy trigger finger and you know he's uh he's gonna wield the axe at, at uh you know he's already been wielding the axe already so yeah, I think at the moment we're not giving him the lines, do we? We need to give the coaches need to give him the, you know, Steve the lines that through, through the performances that you know we actually you can actually see what we're trying to do. So you know, stick with us, hold on, hold on in there, and um, we're confident the wins will come. But that's not there at the moment. So we just got to the coaches just got to help themselves a bit with that. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, for, look, for me, I agree. There. I think. It's really frustrating and it gets you really angry when Wales lose, particularly in that manner. But you've got to judge, you know, you've got to judge a coach on on time. So after the autumn, we've got to make a call and and you know and make a judgment then. And then after the Six Nations, you know, so there's plenty of rugby to be played between now and then, and things can change mighty quickly. So I'm certainly not uh, I'm certainly not buying into this pivot out nonsense uh, after you know after this this number of games. No, you know he. I agree, but the the main concern for me is we've not seen, we've not seen the the performance really, other than the very few, a few glimpses in there. So I, I think actually you're right. The most important thing is getting the performances uh, during the uh, during the autumn campaign, uh, and then getting the results during Six Nations next year. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it it, it it's got put a lot of pressure on him, and uh, we're going to need to see some really big performances step up and you hope that the results go with it. Uh, right, couple of last few questions to get through, Dan. This one's from Steve White. Seeing, and I think we've, we've probably answered a fair amount of this, but seeing as we've nothing to lose next week, should Pivak seriously mix things up and start the likes of Hardy, Sheedy, Parry, Lewis Rees-Summit, um, amongst some of the old heads? So, I mean, obviously we've, we've selected our side. I certainly don't think next week is the time to be uh, is the time to be messing around with wholesale changes. If you're going to make lots and lots, I would have done it this week. Uh, you know, this one's the friendly game. Next week is, you know, is a is a Six Nations game, and uh, you know, and there should mean more. Uh, there should be more than that. And I'm sure there'll be some prize money riding on on next week as well, won't there? I think, uh, you know, if we're able to, you know, yeah. if we're able to um, 
uh, to finish above Scotland. So, yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I don't know if you were gonna if you were gonna make lots of changes and blood people, it would have been this weekend. So I don't see him doing that, and, and I wouldn't make too many changes. No, I wouldn't make I wouldn't make too many either. I mean, that being said, obviously I made a fair few in. But then, but they're not. You're not blooding all first cappers. No, it? no. Francis is you know <laughs> seasoned, isn't he? Nicky is as well. Um, and and then there's yeah one change one change then with uh, with Zamet in the backs that you picked. So yeah, I just don't think you can make you can make all those changes and expect the the outcome to to go the way we want it to. And I don't think it's fair for the for the players coming in either, really. Right, few uh, thoughts on the regional game to finish, Dan. This one's from well, our good, this one's from oh, our, yes, sir. Uh, this one's from our good mate, uh, the mighty Murph. Um, Osprey's minus the internationals come back from twelve points down to beat Glasgow. Absolutely unimaginable, even a few weeks ago. There's no question um, in there, but nonetheless, happy to happy to tackle that. Um, you haven't seen the you haven't seen the regional games this weekend, have you? Uh, only the Scarlets game. Only the Scarlets. Um, so yeah, with, look, with regards to the Ospreys, I thought that they dug in really well. Uh, it wasn't pretty. Uh, would have been very easy, like Murph says. You know, uh, I, I think if you look back at a few weeks ago, certainly last season, I think they would have lost that game. And yeah, it didn't start particularly well, but they dug in. Adam Beard put in a really good shift, which is great to see because you know I think like like we've said in the first half, for, from a Welsh perspective, we're going to need to see him putting in big performances. But something we've We've uh, said about the Ospreys a number of times, Dan, is that there's been a huge reliance on Alan Jones, Tipperick, and in the past, Bigger and Webb. And you know, without those players there, uh, I thought they, I thought they did um, did a good job of getting that result. So fair play to them. And then, yeah, the Scarlets was one of the worst games of rugby I've seen in a very long time. And that was uh, a difficult watch. Yeah, it was grim, wasn't it? But uh, it was. again, to be fair. There was a, a, a good win there. They really dug in and got a win, which, which my God, they needed after the start of the season they've had. So, um, so yeah, the, uh, that's uh, that's kind of the the West Walian uh, region summed up quickly. And then this one is from Rob Thomas. I don't know if he's uh, he's trying to wind me up, but uh, Dragons, loads of uh, loads of big money new signings, but same old. And yeah, we're blown away first half today. Simply not good enough, and it was really disappointing. I thought I thought Hibai probably had his worst game. That I've ever seen him play as a professional, and and that was sad to see because he's a you know he's a player I really you know I've I've loved watching over the years. Um, Ollie Griffiths was the was the the kind of the real shining shining light in that first half. I thought he was excellent and was playing at an intensity that perhaps uh, some of the other players couldn't couldn't match, or certainly we couldn't match as a team. Uh, but yeah, not no, many can with him, can they? No, they he can't. Is- Great player, he's a wonderful player, and if he stays fit, you know he'd be exactly what Wales needs in the in that back row. This is exactly the player I'm talking about. He does everything. He's got great offloads. He's an animal at the breakdown, and he can carry hard. He's you know he's a, he's a superb player, but he's all you know he's struggled so much with injury. And but yeah, you know the thing is that yes, there's been lots of big money signings, and actually Roberts came on and did well again. But you know you, you can't solve these things overnight. There's still going to be the they're still going to be the lowest funded side. And I know people have real grievances and they say the Dragons are getting easy ride because they're owned by the WRU. And yes, they are getting to a certain degree, but at the same time, it needs it. You know, it's a, it's a side that it's a side that has, has been so poor for such a long period of time that yes, it would have been better to see a better performance than we put in against Ulster. Second half, there was, you know, it was certainly a bit more spirited, but 
I actually think the performance against Zebra was a bigger concern because they need to get build that confidence by getting wins at home, which they did against Zebra, and it was a bonus point win. But these are the games that, that Dragons need to win, and uh, you know they're they're, they're going to have to fix their home the home form and turn Rodney Parade into a really hard place to go again. So, you know, we talk about this this the uh, Wales France game being forgotten if they get a win against. Um, if they get a win against Scotland next week, well, look, you know, I'm not expecting Dragons to beat Munster at home, but, you know, if they were to beat Munster at home, then we certainly forget about a, a loss against Ulster. But yeah, look, pressure's on. And again, it was a pretty poor, it was a pretty poor performance, certainly in the first half. But, um, you know, it's, these things aren't going to get, aren't going to get fixed overnight. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too patient, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was another tough watch. I want to ask you something about the Ospreys quickly, if mm. that's all right. Based. How was um, how did Kieran Williams play? Yeah, he's a real handful. Got himself a try again. Uh, you know, offered himself loads as a carrier. I, I really like him. The more I see of him, the more I really, really rate him. And um, socks down. <laughs> yeah, socks With down. He, I think he looks a bit like Cubby to me. There's something about his face, like kind of like chubby face. Um, that he uh, he looks a bit like him. I thought he did. Um, yeah, I thought he put in another another good performance. He's becoming a very very important player for the Ospreys, and you know they've kind of uh, they've needed that in the centre where they've had Scott Williams injured for so long. I think Scott would have hoped to have perhaps played a bit longer yesterday and, and had more of an impact. But it's good to see him back fit again after horrendous injuries. But yeah, Kieran Williams is a, is vastly becoming a very very important player for the Ospreys. Yeah, big big win that for the Ospreys, isn't it? And um, and then there, there we got the the Monday night game. We have, yeah. So Cardiff Blues, uh, Cardiff Blues away at Munster, which is uh, you must be loving that Monday night game. Mate, normally, when it was announced, I was like, oh, you know, oh, you know, is it really that big a deal? But now I'm thinking this is great. Actually, it's great, some, isn't it? I mean, Monday point. night football was well, exactly, yeah. And when that first came, yeah, going going way back when, Dan, you know, uh, having Wednesday night uh, Wednesday night league fixtures in in uh, in the Welsh league, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those midweek games. So, yeah, there, there is something nice about it. I mean, Mondays are all good night, aren't they? So, if we got some rugby, yeah, season, then, uh, then uh, yeah, that that certainly does brighten up a little bit. And then, yeah, loads of, loads more rugby next weekend. Of course, it's uh, you know a very weird looking Super Saturday, um, which is normally you know played in the sixteenth, seventeenth of March. But yeah, Wales versus Scotland first up, Italy versus England, and actually, I'm going to have to finish on this point, Dan. Uh, France versus Ireland is the, the finishing one. And then obviously we've got some Pro 14 on the on the Sunday. But we haven't mentioned the debacle between the the Barbarians game and and what's gone on there, which I don't know what you've made of it, but I just think it's so embarrassing that the financial hole that, you know, it's not often I feel sympathy for, uh, for English rugby, right? But right now this isn't just about, you know, we're talking about a whole sport potentially going under because of because of COVID and the and the the need to play games, the need to fill financial holes, and the fact that that's been jeopardised, and in particular by a player who was their bloody captain for a long time. I know he was not the only one, but we're not talking about some young bucks. We're talking about uh, you know a vastly experienced player here. Uh, that, uh, that is you know it's borderline unforgivable. The, the fact that he's not been able to... I know you, you could argue, oh, well, you know, he's not doing anything different to what Rishi Sunak is by having a, you know, by having a... De- the fact that you would take that risk is just absolutely absurd. And it's, uh, you know, it's ridiculous because 
the RFU will have to give that money back to Sky. And, you know, if, if he cannot understand the, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm singling out Rob Shaw here a bit because, you know, he's probably the, you know, the most experienced player within that bunch, but particularly because he was for so long the England captain and will know the uh, kind of the, the ins and outs of the, um, of the suits who sit on the board. But this, this is important, right? The, the money men of rugby get a, you know, get a hard time. And a lot of the time, quite rightly, because they can make life hard for the fans by jacking up the ticket price. Right now, they have to do everything they can to try and keep a sport afloat. And I just think that is a slap in the face from someone who, uh, you know, who's been, who was employed by them for a very long period of time. Yes, he went out and put his body on the line for England. But Christ, that that's just, it's beyond naive. It's a downright stupid decision to even consider taking that risk. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, he's not going to be in a very good place at all, are they, those players? But yeah, particularly Rob Shaw. Um, do you feel a bit for him? Not on this, no. But what you know, should I really? Why no, you, I don't why, think. Why you think you that, should? Why are you it's... taking that risk? You know, I just yeah. think, I think it's beyond stupid for a player of his experience. And they all signed that agreement, didn't they? Yeah. They, they... Why? T- why take the risk? Because you thought you could get away with it, and whether it's right or wrong, it's you know it has ended up in the game being cancelled, and. That's just, you know, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous that, you know, if it was a couple of the, you know, you look at the England footballers a couple, whatever it was, a month ago, and Gareth Southgate single, you know, single them out, and he was he was livid about it. And but I thought he handled it pretty well. He sent them home. They've missed out on playing for it. The fact that it's a former England captain to have been involved that's cost you this, you know, those those two England footballers are, you know, whatever they are, nineteen and twenty. You know, Chris Robshaw's a bloke in his mid-30s and has played for his country so many times and led them that you'd think he would know better. So, no, I'm afraid I don't feel any sympathy for him. I, I don't, you know, if people are piling on on Twitter and giving it all that all that shit, then, yeah, all right, I, I definitely feel some sympathy from that. But I certainly don't, you know, I certainly uh, don't agree with the decision that he's made. I think it's, you know, it's beyond naive. Yeah, yeah, it, it is beyond naive. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan at all of, of any, uh, of him being, Called out on Twitter or anything. It's no, just, I'm not, you know, I just leave know. it, just leave him alone. But yeah, it's it's a, it was not it was a very very silly uh, silly thing to do, isn't it? Beyond it is. silly. Well, anyway, fortunately, there's lots more rugby for us to talk about. As I said, there we've got Super Saturday uh, to to cover on next week's podcast, and of course, we have got uh, some of those games I mentioned there on Sunday. So, Dragons take on Munster, Scarlets Edinburgh, and then there's more Monday night rugby for you next week. Dan Cardiff Blues at home to Ulster and uh, Zebra. Uh, host the Ospreys so we'll have loads to talk about next week and uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us we'll chat to you then thanks for listening Sports Social Podcast Network